Seven people aged 13 to 24 are diagnosed with cancer every day. On the 11th of June 2020, I was one of the seven. Four days later, on the 15th of June 2020, I too was one of the seven. And that brings with it a whole host of challenges. These are the stories of what happens afterwards. This is Afterthoughts. The Teenage Years. Hello and welcome to our final episode of this series of Afterthoughts, hosted by myself, Aidan, and Shamia. Hi everyone! And in the producer's throne today, it is the wonderful Alice. Yes, regal as always. <laughs> um, I say it a lot, but obviously, again, uh, what an episode. We have Jack from Wales here today, from Swansea. Um, thoughts on the episode, Charmia? I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Has put a real spring of rice out, that one. Yeah, I know, just like... A, just a pure bundle of joy. The stories were all just so genuine and heartfelt, and just oh, just impeccable, as I like to say. You like saying impeccable, don't you? I think that might be your favorite yeah. words. It puts you on the spot to find another word beginning with I. Incredible. That's a boring one. Oh, um, can I think of one? Um, I feel like I should be able to, but I can't. Um, in uh. No, let's just move on really quickly. Move quick, on to something uh, else. Quick segue. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was nice to talk to... Um, nice? Oh, I hate the word nice. It was great to talk to Jack um, and realise that we've ticked off all four of the different UK locations. Yeah, we love it. Our thoughts is going global next, guys. We had it here first. <laughs> well, we've done quite well, actually, because we've had um, England, Ireland, Scotland, England... We've done quite well, actually, because we've had England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and um, we've done Australia, too. Yeah, we've gone down under this series, which is great. Oh, we're just, we, we are practically glo- going global. I'm trying not to laugh at that one. <laughs> going down Sorry. under. <laughs> I need to get my mind out the gutter. <laughs> yes, you do, Aidan Grant. But I particularly enjoyed the daffodils chat, because daffodils are my fave flower. Yeah, a top-tier springtime. They are they are proof that spring has sprung. Spring has sprung, the grass is risen. Did you guys sing that when you were at school? Yeah, and there was another song about I like the flowers, I like the daffodils. See, now, that, that second one, that is what we call a banger. <laughs> a tune. <laughs> Absolute um. bop. Absolute bop. Um, but yeah, what a great way to finish the series. Yeah, we've yeah. ended on a real high. It's been amazing. I mean, it's um, been amazing, but how do you feel? And actually, I'd be, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit after. But how do you feel um, with your first series of afterthoughts coming to an end? I feel happy to see Charmian much again. Uh, no, <laughs> I think I think I'm proud of what we've we've uh, managed to sort of create and the skills we've developed. Um, and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the the tuning in. What a wet wipe. <laughs> no, I feel completely the same. I think it's been a real joy, a real just happy moment in the day, always getting to do these and see your lovely faces and our lovely storytellers. Um, so yeah, I shall miss it, but it's been fab. Do you feel like work husband and wife now? No. <laughs> no, we're like 
like work, boyfriend, girlfriend, but are we going to progress to anything more is, is the question. TBC, maybe, maybe if there's another series, but enough of that. Without further ado, we move on to Jack. Welcome, Jack. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Really good. How are you? I am good, thanks. And Jack, where are you tuning in from? Swansea. Ooh, Swansea. So that means we, on this series, have had England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. We've completed the UK. That's it. Cancel off thoughts. We've done it. We've completed it. (laughs) We've ticked Um, everything off. Exactly. Exactly. And how's your day been so far? Yeah, good. Really good. Sun is shining. Mood's good. Yeah. It's so nice that spring has finally arrived. I know, finally. Daffodils blooming. Are daffodils? Am I just putting them with whales in my head? No, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are right. (laughs) Sorry, just like hitting you with the stereotypes. No, you're right. Funny enough, I was on the train home the other day, and as I was coming home, I wasn't quite sure where I was. And as I looked to my left, there was just a field full of daffodils, and I was like, yeah, I'm home. You were like, I'm, I'm in Wales. In Wales. <laughs> yeah. oh, my daffodils are my favourite. I actually have a daffodil tattoo. Oh, oh cute. Yeah, it's, cool. for my, it's for my grandma. Oh, very oh. cool. Um, but yeah, it's so nice that the sun's finally shining and the daffodils yeah. are out. And it, it does finally, it's finally starting to feel like spring in April. It's about time. Isn't finally, it? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I love is my house uh, during the winter was really, really cold. And now it's no longer that cold and so i'm enjoying that yeah exactly right jack are you ready to enter the quick fire questions i am sharma are you ready i'm so ready and we begin so jack what are your pronouns he him who do people say you look like um i get told i look like my dad a lot but once someone told me i look like sam smith Ooh, I can see that. that. (laughs) Hopefully you don't take that as an offence. No, 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 we're all good. There's a lot of controversy around Sam Smith. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to say that and then get in trouble. (laughs) This was a few years ago, not the present day. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Jack, what was the last song you listened to? Uh, Last song I listened to was The Smaller Than The Gym Lost Frank Ocean. Lovely. That's a good, like, sun's out song. Yeah, I seen the sun out and I was watching his Coachella set, although it wasn't the greatest, but yeah. He pulled out of week two of Coachella as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's not everyone's uh, favourite artist at the moment. (laughs) Favourite pasta shape? I'm going to have to say shells. Which type of shells? Are we talking like... The light type. The seashells type shape, you know, like the red chili ones. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah Con- Conchlegi? Yes. Yeah. Great, great pronunciation there, Sharmia. Yeah. Um, Conchlegi. <laughs> oh, oh, the accent as well. We have to keep that in somehow. Um, um, right, moving swiftly on before the Italians hate us. Uh, Jack, what's one thing you can't leave the house without? Uh, this is assuming you have your wallet and keys and phone. Um, one thing I can't leave. I'm going to say lip balm. 
Oh, that's a I common one. So, so are you, are you a Vaseline kind of guy? I'm a Carmax kind of guy. Oh. Yeah, I'm a Carmax kind of guy. Nice. In the little, like... In the little yellow tubes. And I love a different flavour. I always change up my flavours. Nice. What's your favourite flavour so far? Cherry. I love anything cherry. It's a good sound. Yeah, choice. Next up, what's something you'd love to learn? Something I would love to learn? Probably my own language. I don't speak Welsh, and I'd really like to learn Welsh. Yeah. Fair enough. Do your family speak Welsh? Um, so some on my dad's side of the family do, and then on my mum's side of the family, no one speaks it. It's really weird because here we we learn it in school, but it's very rare that it's spoken. Very rare. Yeah. But all our like road signs are in Welsh. Yeah. So I think when we're driving, you just naturally read it in Welsh because it's all we've grown up with. But if I was to speak it, I wouldn't be able to speak it. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> It's interesting to see that the the road signs are in Welsh. That's, that's yeah. something I do not know. You learn something new every day. Yeah, there we are. Right, Jack. And now for our most decisive question. So scones or scones, however you want to call it. Do you put the jam first or the cream first? I'm a cream first kind of guy and jam on top. <laughs> yeah, darling. I know. <laughs> I'm so happy. We can end I just, the series on a high. I think like... I've won. I feel like if you put the jam first and the cream's not going to go on top properly because the cream is thicker than the jam. Preach this, preach. Absolutely. <laughs> You've just hit the nail on the head. Aiden, you're wrong. Decisive one for Shalia. Thank you, everyone. You've, you've won, but at what cost? Friendship over. <laughs> I mean, what friendship was there, Aiden? From the moment we realised this was a debate, it was gone. <laughs> also, if, we, if, we, if we're talking about thickness and thinness, when you do skincare, you put the thinnest stuff on first. So... Very true, very true. I use one moisturiser, Aiden. <laughs> And it shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, camera off for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Jake, you look lovely, Shami. Shal- yeah? And for our listeners, she looks lovely. Oh, thanks, Aiden. <laughs> it really is the last episode of the series. Um, and last up, could you just give us a quick summary of your diagnosis? Of course. I was diagnosed with stage three advanced melanoma at 21 in May 2021. Who would have guessed? Stuff happens after the diagnosis. And in this section, we explore them. It's beyond the diagnosis. My hospital was like a home away from home for me. When I went into hospital, it was a really daunting experience. I think going on to a cancer ward for anybody is really scary. Um, Regardless of the situation you're in, whether you're going through it yourself or you're an outsider. Um, But for me, walking onto the cancer ward, I wanted to, I knew I was going to be spending a lot of time there. So I wanted to make it a special place that wasn't a negative place because it can be made a really negative place and I didn't want it to be that. So when I went in, um, my ward was full of older people, which again was really scary. So they offered me um, a small room with a bed, with a chair. Um, It didn't have a TV, unfortunately. I made it like the brightest, nicest, warmest place ever. Because I knew I was going to be spending a lot of time in there, um, I had, I always had like funky little things with me. I don't know if you've seen them, but there's like these little things you can clip and they, if you, they're like a key ring, 
and if you press them they like flash different colors and they're all different characters so I always had them like clipped on to my line um to make them funky <laughs> and people always used to say to me I was like I don't know if you had them when you were a kid on the back of your bike wheels and they'd like spin and make a noise I used to be walking around with my machine like clackering around the the ward with my little machine I always used to try and take like an, a warmer blanket because I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced this freezing when you have any treatment well I was myself um so I always just take like a bright blanket with me I'd never take like a like a dark colored blanket because I know I'd be in there for the day um I just make it as bright as possible and like a warm place I just try and be as colorful as I could walking in there um because I just wanted to be that warm character and also a really really fun story was every time I'd go in for my treatment all the nurses would be like fighting over each other who would get to like be with me on my chemo day <laughs> So they'd be like, oh my God, I want to go with Jack. I want to go with Jack. I want to go with Jack. Um, but I always had the same nurse, Beth. Um, and she was like my hospital mum. She was the most incredible person. And I miss her so much now I'm out of treatment. And she was also a really funky person. She had this like really cool, curly, big wavy hair. Um, and she had like colourful glasses on all the time. Um, she used to have like the coolest little pins on her. I tried to make it the best out of a bad situation, if that makes any sense at all, because I'm the least negative person in the world. Hate to be a negative, and I wanted her to make it a positive place. In this section, we reflect on how cancer can affect the people in our lives. This is those around us. So my best friend, um, we've been best friends since school, um, always had that really, really close bond. We always actually say that we've passed the best friend point with just family now. I was the f most nervous to tell her that I actually had cancer to begin with because I knew her soul would just be shattered completely. So um, when I told her about it, she took it so well, better than I would have if it was reversed. And she just went absolutely above and beyond um, to make me feel normal as well. I think it's really easy to not feel normal when you're the friend that's got an illness. So she would always like make sure I was okay. If we were ever out anywhere, she'd like tell everybody like, okay, Jack's not able to, you know, maybe walk as far as we we're able to walk or, you know, be as able as we are able. Um, she was really amazing, really, really amazing. And then, April last year, so a year ago, um, I was in a really, really rough place. Um, I wasn't able to work. I was just like mentally not coping well with the whole cancer thing and it was just really getting to me. So she called me up her house one day and she handed me a phone and on her phone was this big long paragraph. I was like, oh God, what, like what now? What, what possibly could be wrong next? Um, and as I started to read it, she was like talking about like how inspiring I was and like just how like good of a person I was. And then I started like, I just crumbled on the spot. And then as I got to the bottom, she was like, we want to raise as much money as possible um, for you to do whatever you want with. Um, and she did, she did exactly that. So she walked up, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her, a mountain called Penavan, it's in Wales. Yeah, okay, cool. So she walked up Penavan 
um and she got this big group together of all my friends and all my family um and she actually called it get jack smiling again so yeah she walked up to the top and she raised an incredible amount of money and even past that like once she had done that for me i was like incredibly thankful and i'm not a taker i hate taking things from people um and i think as well probably you guys understand it like you're given so much love as well as other things when, when you're diagnosed with cancer and i think that outpouring of love you're given is enough um but for someone to do that for me was crazy and i i'm so thankful every single day that she was just that like best friend that sister that i think we all deserve in life and if i could give her a lifetime of thank yous i would give her a lifetime of thank yous because she was the most incredible person to me when I was diagnosed, going through it, and even now, life after. She was just amazing, and I love her lots. <laughs> Intangible, imperceptible, and invisible. We look at the impacts that affect us. It's invisible impacts. So I started posting about my cancer journey when I was diagnosed. Um, and I, people always ask me why, and I, I genuinely don't know. But I think if I was to like really look back and reflect on it, I think it was a cry out for help because I genuinely was just so lost and didn't know what to do or where to turn. I'm quite like, a, I, well, I'm not a shy person, but I'm more of a reserved person. Um, and I never posted on social media before, ever. Wasn't a social media person. Um, but I posted on social media purely because I was tired of repeating myself to all the people that weren't aware of the situation but the post just blew up and went wild and I um, just started talking about everything but a huge topic for me was obviously mental health and how I coped with going through something so devastating but managing to survive was or like some people just didn't understand why I was so big on it. But, and not even so much for cancer, any illness, any anything that's destabilizing into your life has such a big effect on you mentally. And it's so hard to explain from somebody who is an outsider. And I always say this to people, if you haven't experienced mental illness or physical illness, like I'm so unbelievably happy for you, but it's so important to be aware of what actually goes on because we can see sometimes when somebody physically isn't able to walk or maybe has lost their hair or wears, I don't know, like I wear glasses and I, cause I can't see, you know, like when you physically see something is not wrong with somebody, but you know, like isn't perfectly right with somebody, you'd, you're cautious on how you, you are with them, you're a bit more gentle with them. But when it's something you can't see, we're just normal people with these people. And I think that if we can be a bit more soft and gentle with each other, it's, it'll change the world slowly and surely. But yeah, the the mental health side of cancer for me was huge, really huge. I wasn't like, I was fighting a, a physical battle, um, but mentally trying to understand what was going on. And I did touch on it just before when I was talking about my friends, but 
for so long, I just didn't want to believe that I was in this situation, if that makes any sense at all. I didn't want to understand what cancer was. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to speak about it. And I think because I bottled it up and like kept it filling up and filling up and filling up for so long, it just got to the point where I just like burst and I didn't know where I was. I say that I describe it as I was standing on a stage in front of thousands of people and I didn't have a clue what to do. It was it was so it was such a weird place for me to be in. But yeah, I was given this platform with, you know, thousands of people following me and watching what I was doing. And it was really crazy to begin with, but now it's my career, it's my it's my job. And I love I'm so, so thankful that I get to do it. We all have things going on, and whether it's visible or not visible, it's important to be aware of somebody and who they are, what they are, and what they're going through. But yeah, the the side that you don't see, and I think this not maybe spoken about enough, and which is why I speak about it, because if I can make one person feel less alone, then it gives my pain a purpose. I was about to say I might as well close my curtains because we've got enough of a rare sunshine on this podcast here. That is amazing. <laughs> Having cancer as a teenager can bring some pretty unique experiences to us. This is Teenage Kicks. You instantly become the odd one out when you have cancer and people just don't understand that. So I'm a big music person. Love my music. Um, love going to see things live. And... I love Summer Walker. Um, I love her, absolutely love her. And she was playing in London in a festival. And I really, really wanted to go. And I was like, okay, like I can make it happen. I can make it work. So I went. And obviously I was out of hospital at that time, but like, I couldn't really do much. I couldn't go into the crowd. I had to like back off. Um, I had to be out of the way and obviously it was summer it was boiling hot and obviously being a skin cancer patient had to you know stay away and it was in the middle of London and you know London's all big buildings it's not very green is it so we were in this park and there was like one tree and everybody was like swarmed under this one tree hiding from the the shade I said to my friend who I went with I was like look this isn't like it's just not gonna work for me and I just remember being so sad that like I couldn't be there and I like everybody around me was having like this amazing time and I just th- I was thinking to myself like I used to be that and it's so frustrating I can't anymore um, and I had to take myself up to you know like in case they have those like disability platforms they're like viewing platforms there was all these lovely people on the on the viewing platform and it was really nice but I just remember sitting there and I thought how on earth how have I ended up here at 22 years of age after living the most normal 21 years of life? And I was at that time, I remember sitting there and I was thinking, people are probably sitting here thinking, that boy's got absolutely nothing wrong with him. Like he he's absolutely fine because to to the normal person, I look normal, I look fine. Yeah, that was a really weird point in my life because I I and I just remember sitting there and thinking to myself, please, please, please can I just go back to being normal? Um, And also there was a time there where I did think to myself, like, is this it now? Is this my life forever? Am I ever going to go back to being that normal kid again, you know, that can do all these fun things? Or, like, am I just stuck in this for life? Is Am I going to have to live this way forever? 
Um, but at that time, I was really sad about it. And I just remember looking at these people and thinking, oh, I'd do anything to be you just for one day. But now also, I look back at it and I think, um, I try not to let it like upset me as it did back then. I always try and look at situations as it was a learning curve and it happened and there was nothing I could do at that time. I was still able to see her, but the circumstances were different from what my life was before. And my life may be that way for a little while after. I mean, I'm only four months into remission, so, you know, it's it might be that way for a little time, but one day, one day I'll get to be that normal kid again. But for now, I'm comfortable being, I'm comfortable being the odd one out. I'm good to be in the odd one out. Yeah, and I can imagine that was kind of, I think we all for, you know, our own experiences have that moment of realizing like, oh shit, like I'm in a situation where I'm having to go through stuff other people our age don't and that yeah and you, you talk about kind of that that envy and that feeling like mm-hmm. oh why me like how have I ended up here and, yeah and I remember people always saying to me like oh you've especially like as a medic like you've learned such empathy because of your cancer and I'm always like yeah but I would have I would have learned it in other ways <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't learn it in the best way but I, I didn't have to do this <laughs> yeah. but there's always like there is a beautiful thing in like what we have taken from our experiences and you know the way you use it positively and I'm happy that you're looking forward to those moments coming back in and and it's like I know I know that time after remission is scary and like full of unknowns and uncertainties and like what's next Mm -hmm. and it's just like always a bit up and down but it's great that you're like riding that wave. Maybe we're more similar to Pokemon than we think, the way we level up and evolve through cancer. It's our brand new section, Evolutions. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, I just was sitting with myself this one day and I write everything down. I'm a writer, I have to write everything down. Um, So I thought, I was just thinking to myself, I actually watched a little TikTok video and it was like, um, something about like what we all fear um, and the number one thing was um, being diagnosed with cancer and I was like cr- like I had never even thought about it before in my younger years so when I actually thought about it I thought whoa yeah like the world really does fear this illness like it's not it's not something you take lightly so I was like okay so like I faced the one thing like the, the world fears I, I have to be able to face more so this one random day, I just was sat in the hospital and I was really bored. So I was like, hmm, what am I, what am I scared of? And what are these fears able to do to me? So when I sat and thought about these things, I looked at my hand and I seen um, my little needle in my hand and the drip with the chemo going in and I thought, how am I going to be scared of anything when I'm facing this? So I thought of all the things I was frightened of, wrote them in a list, and I made it my aim in life to conquer every fear that I thought I had at the time. And my fears were the most ridiculous things in the world. Okay, so they were, I have the biggest, biggest, biggest fear of spiders. 
So a big um, one of mine was to hold a tarantula and I haven't done it yet because I'm still petrified of spiders. But it is my aim to one day hold a tarantula. Another one was when I was a kid, um, my granddad took me to London and I remember being so excited to go on the London Eye. And then when I got there, I looked up and seen how big it was. And I'm petrified of heights. And I didn't get to go. Well, I didn't go around on the um, London Eye and all my family did. And I sat at the bottom on my own. And my granddad was really frightened that I was going to get taken. I, another one for me was to take my granddad to London and go around the London Eye with him. Um, I know it's not a fear, but I was frightened of heights. And that was what made me scared of heights because I was obviously so small when I looked up. Another one was when I was little, I used to be petrified of fireworks. <laughs> yes. So I, and I remember being so, and where I live, every bonfire night, we have this huge firework display. And no matter what part of the city you are, you can hear these fireworks because they're so loud. And I used to dread the night so much. Um, uh, and my friend, my best friend who we spoke about earlier on got married on bonfire night this year. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to be distracted when I'm fine. Like, I'm not going to hear the fireworks. Um, but then I was like, no, you don't need to be frightened anymore. You face the worst thing in the world. You don't need to be scared of a firework. So um, I didn't get to go to the display last year because obviously I was at my best friend's wedding. But I'm going to go to the display that I was always frightened to go to as a kid um, this year. Another one was being, I know this is like a minor thing but being alone I always feared being alone um I hated the thought of being alone I've just never liked it um so this year especially in remission I spent a lot of time with myself um reconnecting myself with myself sorry um and taking myself away so this past weekend I had to go and work in London um, and I travelled out all alone. I conquered the tubes by myself, which was crazy. Because every time I've gone on them tubes, I've been in the wrong direction. I've ended up in the wrong place. Um, that was that was a big thing for me, is I wanted to use the things that scare me the most to make me less fearful of life. Um, I think I've I survived something that I didn't think I was going to survive and having been in that position and not sure, not being sure if I was going to make it out alive. I mean, there was a point in my life where they told me that I was, there was a possibility I wasn't going to make 12 months and I'm turning 24 next month cancer free. So if I can do that, then I have nothing to be fearful of. And I think it's an important lesson for anybody in life that you've survived 100% of the days that you thought you couldn't at that time. Cancer has its ups and downs, but there are definitely moments of lightness. In this section, we take the opportunity to have a good giggle. It's Don't Laugh. I actually have a really funny um, treatment experience. I went into the hospital this one day and my loveliness, Beth, who I spoke about earlier on, was off and I was really sad. Um, but I had these students and they were really lovely. But when she came around the corner, she said my name and I stood up and she was like, oh, I thought you were waiting for your grandparents. 
And from that get-go, I was like, this is just going to be terrible. I couldn't tell straight away. So I was giggling to myself for ages. I went into my room, sat down, and I always really struggled to um, find, they always really struggled me to find a vein. Um, So they eventually done it, um, and it was really painful. And I stood up. (laughs) I stood up, and as I stood up, I just ripped the thing out of my hand. It was caught around the chair. And I was like, great, okay, this is going to be a terrible, terrible day. But I just could not stop laughing to myself because one thing after another was going wrong. So I called the, I pressed the little, you know, little ringy thing on the top and they come running. There was blood everywhere from my hand. I don't know how the hell I bled so much, but I did. And then, so that was that. And then that same day, I'd been there for hours. I'd woke up from a nap and I was really hungry. And I was, I really fussy when I was on treatment. So I had my, I always used to take a little bag of snacks with me. Um, I used to go to the shop before. So um, when I went back, I went through to the room um, because I thought I must have left in the room and I didn't bring my bag of snacks with me. So that was like a third thing that had gone wrong. So then we had this like kitchen on our ward and the nurse was like, oh, there's soup in the pot, there's soup in the pot. So, but I'm freezing cold and the grip on my hand isn't working. And I don't know if you have ever seen them, but they're like the small little white round bowls. Um, so I picked one of them up and where the bottoms, they like clip in, so they like stack together, don't they? Like as one stack. I picked one off the top and they all came crashing down. So they just smashed. And I thought, how on earth have I possibly gone wrong in one day? So, I begrudged even eating the soup at this point because I was just so frustrated with my life. I put the soup in the bowl and I can literally remember this day so vividly. It was just the most bizarre day because one thing after another was was going wrong. I grabbed a tray and we had this like wooden, I don't want to say shelf, but it was like a box where the trays were in and there was like a slit on the outside so you could just slide a tray out. So I pulled the thing and on the top blade, like the top bit of this thing was like dirty, you know, where they just, people put their trays back on, like in the canteen sort of thing. So I pulled the tray, but I didn't pull it far up enough so that I could pull the thing. I pulled the tray and the trays around the top just slid forward. Had the soup in one hand, trying to get the tray on the other hand, and I could just see these things sliding forward, and I thought, I'm just going to have to let these fall on top of me because there's just no other option other than just just be covered in other people's dirty dishes. So it just slid on top of me. And then I thought, I, like, pushed my shoulder up to stop it, and then I had this, like, flashback of when I was 15, and I started working this really scary place, and I was really frightened of going in. And the first day I ever went in there, I took, I was carrying trays and I wanted to show off about how many trays I could carry and put down at once. And they were just been washed, the trays had just been washed. And I put them on this counter my first day in this new place. And they went everywhere. And I'm not joking, they went everywhere. So I'm sitting there giggling to myself, covered in just rubbish. I had a bowl of soup in one hand, trying to hold a tray, with my IV little line standing next to me, just beeping away in my ear. Put the thing back on top and then that was it for the rest of the day. And then actually that day when I left, my dad forgot to pick me up from chemo. 
So <laughs> I'm sitting outside and it was freezing cold that time. I'm, I, I'm not sure if it was like the second or third time I'd actually ever even been in that room. So I was quite new at that point. Um, but yeah, that was a really, really terrible time for me. And this, when I was going back in there, I just remember being so embarrassed of walking back in that building because I made so much noise, so much mess. And I just remember thinking to myself, these people are coming in here, they're so in so much pain, so tired, so exhausted, and they just want to peacefully sit on their chairs. And I'm clambering around the place. And I'm clumsy at the best of times. But I'm clambering around the place trying to just eat something and put myself in a better mood. And I was just doing everything I could have possibly done wrong. But I always think about that day when I'm thinking about treatment because it was just a shambles. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that but, really is a don't laugh story. Isn't yeah, it? it was a really bad day for me. That was a really bad... I just felt... I was just everything was going wrong for me and I just thought it's, this is just never ending and this is if it was if somebody at that time was to um if I was to put a visionary of my life I would just hand them that day and say this is exactly what life looks like for me right now <laughs> oh wow it's like something out of a like a sitcom or like a yeah I did feel like a movie show. when it was happening to me <laughs> And then my dad forgetting to pick me up from chemo was just the cherry on top. Of the <laughs> the straw you know, that broke the camel's back. In the freezing cold. And I'd be glad to go back in there because I was so embarrassed. So I oh. forced myself to sit outside in the freezing cold. But we can laugh about it now. And that's the yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, well, what a great story. Thank you so much for coming on, Jack, and sharing so many brilliant stories with us. No, thank you for having me. It's been amazing. It's been great to have you. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your day in Wales with the Daffodils. <laughs> right back at you guys. I hope you have an amazing day and week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. And that wraps it up for our final episode of Afterthoughts. And what a way to end the series. Um, just some incredible stories there. I usually like to pick a favourite section but I can't, I can't with this one. It's, you know, it's it's too difficult. I mean, you know, Beyond the Diagnosis was interesting, Invisible Impact, it was around, just, they were also good, weren't they, Charmian? Yeah, I thought Jack was really great. He had lots of really great things to take away from the episode and kind of reflect on. And I thought it was really nice to, I don't like the word nice. <laughs> I thought it was really refreshing to hear his perspective on his experiences of remission and kind of that roller coaster after, because I think that's the place that, you know, all of us have been in. Um, hosting this and it was just really nice to kind of chat about some of those emotions that come up and how you deal with them um and i just thought there were some really nice sentiments about positivity and optimism um that we should all take on from this episode yeah and i think he also spoke about some really unique topics you know um for teenage kicks we often hear about you know dating and things like that um but he spoke about one that i think every teenager with cancer can relate to and that's just the feeling of being left out um, in a story again that I think is just so relatable because it could have been any one of us uh, in that position um, and you know again invisible impacts just all of it incredible um, but without further ado it's time for our afterthoughts on afterthoughts so Shamia what are yours? Oh it's so difficult for this one because there are just so many um, but for me I think what I really found inspiring at the end was that story about facing your fears and as someone who has a lot of phobias I could, I could do another podcast listing them 
um, Jack's inspired me to go and make my own list and think, you know, counts as terrifying and the rest of the stuff doesn't have to be. Um, and I thought it was a really powerful story about kind of mindset and how you think about things as well. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna try and take his advice to, you know, use things to, use facing my fears to make me less scared of life. What fear am I gonna face first is the question. Um, I think it might be, this is really embarrassing to admit the podcast, I'm a bit scared of the dark, guys. It might be sleep without a nightlight on. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I was going to mention the outro if you didn't, just because oh. <laughs> I was embarrassed with the muting thing. Don't know if that's still going to be in the podcast from the last episodes, uh, but I really need to make sure that was included. Um, if I had to face fear, it would be, uh, we're going to do the introduction to the section without feeling the pressure from Toby and Alice. Uh, that drives us for this creativity but you know maybe puts us under too much strain that is does it that is the question maybe maybe you'll find out in the next series that makes them sound like bad you know like mentors (laughs) oh yeah i should i should uh mention that uh they don't do this actively we just feel (laughs) it for no apparent reason um but what are your afterthoughts in this episode of afterthoughts aiden my afterthoughts actually goes out to those around the people with cancer and that is the importance of making sure that we don't feel like left out or the odd one out i think um jack put it so beautifully with you know what it was like at that concert um and then also how his you know his best best friend would always make sure that um he was felt included i think it's really important that you know if you are a friend of someone with cancer or a family member um, we do often feel like we sort of are left out or we're going to be a burden on you. So please just just do a couple of things to make us feel at ease, you know. Um, walk a bit slower. Um, that's that's my main thing. I can't keep up with my friends. I couldn't keep up with them when I was on chemo. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, make a bit more space for us um, yeah. and we will appreciate it massively. Yeah, and I think there's, yeah, as you say, just a really special thing about being treated like a human and I think whether you've got cancer or not, or you, whether you've experienced it, um, or you know have been one of those people around us, just treating us like people is is important. Exactly, because you know, as this podcast is all about the human before the cancer, and you know, please just treat us like that. I think that is a beautiful way to conclude our final episode of this series. So for the final time, it is Aiden signing out. And it's Sharma signing out too. Take care, everyone. Take care. Bye. If today's episode of Afterthoughts has brought up any thoughts or feelings that you'd like to speak to someone about, we really recommend catching up with a friend or dropping them a message. There are a whole host of charities out there if you've experienced cancer and want to get some extra support. Thanks so much to Teenage Cancer Trust for supporting Afterthoughts, the teenage years. Supporting teens and young adults diagnosed with cancer in the UK, the work they do is incredible. Find out more at TeenageCancerTrust.org and check out their socials. This series has been hosted by Aidan Grant and Sharmia Kularajan and produced by Alice May Perkis and Toby Peach from Beyond Arts. Sound design is by Dinah Mullen and Kieran Lucas.